Hi, I'm Brendan James. To my friend Zoom, Ozzy. I'm Ricardo Mitchell, the social sage. I am DJ Aaron868, and I and I am an inquisitive mind. mind. Right. Hello and good night, good day, good morning, good afternoon. Hello to all our listeners. Welcome back to Inquisitive Minds episode eight. Um, and we're going to have a very interest one, interesting one today. Of course, before we start, I want to pay homage and introduce the originals. Um, DJ Aaron868, the intellectually creative. How are you doing, sir? Um, boy, the cabin fever kind of starting to get to one. I'm not gonna lie. Oh boy, I know how it is. How, 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 how does make out with the five to two on a weekend? <laughs> it's five to two. <laughs> um, I actually have oh. to go to work most times still, so um, I'm on the road when the rest of you are in the comfort of your homes, oh, and I'm on the airwaves when you all are enjoying my company while you are cooking or doing whatever you do during that time. Hmm. You know, I now catch myself. And this fight is it was five to ten, not five to two. I got catch boy. It's five to ten, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> during once you see it outside on the road, um, during that curfew hours, the road is desolate. It's empty. It boy, I don't know. It, it's a different kind of feeling. It yeah, really right. put things into perspective as to the situation as a whole. It does. It does. And of course, I want to as well introduce my brother in philosophy, Ricardo Mitchell, the social sage. How are you, my lord? Yo, I great like cheese and cheese space, and I no no it. no 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 what no no no. You have you one thing you usually say: don't ever change it, because you just bring a different level of corny to the show, and we can have it, please. B- uh, you, you know what, Aaron? B- your resistance to change is something that's starting to negatively impact my vibe, dog. You get accustomed to me saying, yeah, great, like carrot and coleslaw. So I can't be great like something else. I, I can't be great like the... Anyway, I'm going on that road. What's happening, right, is I in a, I in a weird place. I real good, but I in a weird place. The, I dream I was walking through Maribola looking for a doubles man the other morning and want to know why the place is so empty. Why the place so dead? And then I catch myself and realize, wait now, we're in a lockdown. And when I dip, I realize I don't have on my mask. And I'm in a dream, worried about being caught outside without a mask on and the absence of doubles in Southwest Trinidad. I ain't in a weird place. All right, Aaron? So if I want to be great like something different this week, give me a chance. Let me let me be great how I great, all right? I, I, oh, hey, I could have seen like a mango in chutney. You know you what? Could, a great like mango. Great like, like China and Abara. That is actually yeah. a problem. No, that's not even a topic for another time. This is this, this is a problem. You just great China, big man. You can't be anyway. Um, Zoom, go ahead, please, <laughs> please, go ahead, please. This is all I like how we just start. <laughs> Don't understand. <laughs> We dive, we dive into my cabin fever before the topic. <laughs> no, this, so, this, is, this is problematic. That, that cabin fever going to your brain. Aaron, yeah. Aaron is, is hallucinating. All right, fellas. We're taking a small ticky time out just for a second because we have <laughs> a guest that we need to introduce. And um, I'm trying to 
keep in my uh, my joy because I'm talking. We're talking about a topic that's very close to my heart, um, and we're going to be chatting with a person who I I mean, this is actually going to be a, uh, the longest bio I've ever done since we start this show, and I'm very happy to do it because I love to celebrate people. I love to celebrate people that are doing things that are positive for, for Trinidad and Tobago, for the region, for the world. And I want to introduce Ruana Haynes. And Ruana is an experienced international climate law and governance specialist, TEDx, 2020 speaker and senior legal advisor at the not-for-profit think tank Climate Analytics. Ruana has participated in the UN climate negotiations for just over a decade. During that time, she has been a lead negotiator for the Caribbean community. CARICOM Alliance of Small Island States, and G, um, Samizam and China. In addition, she has significant experience in other international negotiation processes of key importance to our small island developing states, SIDS, including sustainable development, financing for development, and the Convention of the Law of the Sea. Ruana holds a master's in international legal studies from Georgetown University Law Center, Washington, D.C., and a master in international affairs and environmental policy from Sciences Po Paris, France. Not sure if I got mm-hmm. that right. Yeah, it is? Oh, oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Welcome, Ruana. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. Hello. Hi everybody, good night. Um, I feel like I should have sent a shorter version of that bio. <laughs> nah, no. Sarah's apology. Perfect. Apologies. That's kind of just the, the cut and paste bio um, yeah. that that goes out. But um, yeah, I, I really could have edited, but but thanks a lot. You did well. There are a lot of mouthfuls um, in that bio, and, and you managed to navigate. So already, congratulations to you. And <laughs> good night, everybody. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. So, good evening. Uh, good thanks. evening. Yeah, we really appreciate it, man. And um, nah, I, 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 love, I love to celebrate when people doing a lot especially in this particular space um and uh it's important that we recognize it and we here today we're going to have a little chat about climate change and the environment and specifically we're going to be talking about what is happening trinidad tobago in our space what is happening in our regional space what is happening in our international space and why these things mean a lot to us and in terms of our day-to-day industry and when we initially came up with the thoughts around this, you know, we were thinking, oh, you know, hurricane season is here. And the, we have been having some uh, difficult climate experiences within the region and globally. And really and truly, um, there's a lot that is happening besides the COVID-19 pandemic, where there's a real focus for obvious reasons. The number of things happening in the background, things happening in Europe, things happening um um, with the U.S. decisions being made, we have COP26 in Glasgow coming, and I know Ruana will probably give us a little um, insight into that. So we really wanted to talk about climate and the environment, and, and really and truly to explore these topics in terms of the managed treatment and what we should learn from, from all these things that are happening in the background. So Ruana, I'm going to just do a little kickoff question, and we'll just train with questions. 
Now, we have been seeing a lot of uh, weather phenomena and climate phenomena. And I mean, we could talk about different things. Uh, fires in California, the fires in Australia. Um, we talk about the storms that hitting Trinidad to big Caribbean. We had oh, Hurricane Dorian, boy, right? Um, a number of significant storms. A lot of these things happening. And do you think... Um, that there has been a shift in mind, and I know this might be a difficult first question, but from your perspective, where you said, do you think that there has been a shift in mind within the region with regards to making the links between these things and climate? And and if there has been, um, what what kind of what have you noticed from your vantage point? Well, I would say that there definitely has been a shift in mindset. I think in the collective consciousness of these issues. I don't really recall growing up that the terminology climate change was on you know, anybody's lips at the time. Um, but now, at least in the context of um, any kind of out of place weather phenomenon, uh, that's normally the first refrain you'd hear people say, oh gosh, it's the climate change. I mean, even my grandmother in her 80s, she's like, it's the climate change, you know. And I'm like, yes, granny, you know better than a lot of people. Um, so I would say, yes, there has been a shift, but I would also say that even in the context of that, it's really clear that um, uh, there's still a lot of... There's still, a, there's still a gap that needs to be addressed in terms of the level of knowledge um, generally about what we mean when we speak about climate change. Because, of course, it goes way beyond whether um, climate change as a result of you know, man-made activities, emissions of greenhouse gases resulting in global warming, uh, that is then triggering these changes in climate uh, is a bit of a complex phenomenon on the whole, because when we speak about, for example, the increase in average global temperatures as a result of greenhouse gas emissions, what we are really speaking about is two things. Um, first, an increase in the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. So not just the now for now emissions, it's actually uh, a cumulative effect that we're talking about. And the second, is an average in global temperature increase from a baseline of pre-industrial times. So we're really only checking the increase in the average global temperature from about 1900, um, 1899, the start of the industrial revolution, but not before. Um, and it's really that increase in temperature based on that baseline, the increase in the average global temperature that accounts for the climate changes that we are experiencing now and the climate changes that we will be experiencing in the future. And these changes, you know, are manifesting themselves in a number of ways. So it's not just the extreme events. Yes, with the increase in the uh, concentrations of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. There is a greenhouse gas effect that all of us learn in like form tree geography. Um, there is a greenhouse gas effect and so temperatures are getting warmer. And because of those warmer temperatures, it's having an impact on weather patterns. It's fueling more intense storms, hurricanes, but also just generally more extreme events. So even uh, the extreme rainfall that Trinidad 
Antibigo in particular would experience from time to time in every hurricane season that causes extreme flooding is a part of that phenomenon. So it's not just the, the devastating, deadly, spectacular category five plus hurricanes like Dorian and Irma and Maria um, that we need to be checking for as a part of this phenomenon is also uh, the bleaching of coral reefs caused by ocean acidification because the ocean is a sink for carbon dioxide and the more carbon dioxide we have in the atmosphere, the more of it goes into the ocean, the more acidic the ocean becomes, the more coral bleaching uh, will happen. It's also sea level rise. So every time you drive down Manzanilla, it's like the water a little closer now, a little closer to the road, a little closer to the road. We've lost so much of that eastern seaboard coastline over the years. If there are maps of Trinidad that show just how badly um, sea level rise and coastal erosion is in certain areas of Trinidad. And these are things that we sort of pay less attention to. Um, somehow it only comes up if, for example, I remember there was an incident, maybe it was in 2014, where that Manzanilla road just disappeared. It just mm. disappeared. We had some rain and like the um the lagoon come to meet the sea and that was it good god so when we have phenomena like that is when people sit up and pay attention you know like what is happening but generally i find that some of the other less spectacular more slow onset impacts they really haven't penetrated the consciousness of the population and a part of that is yes because you know maybe people don't want to know but also I, I also firmly believe that there's a lot that the government needs to be doing in terms of educating people about these issues that really just isn't happening at the scale that it needs to, to happen at. So that's my very long answer to your very first question. <laughs> no, it, it's an excellent segue. Um, I think it's important that we kind of, because you set a, a very nice frame of reference for the listeners in terms of understanding both the scientific dynamic and how that can now impact on like day-to-day -day decisions that we make and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's important. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Okay. One of the other things I wanted to, um, to, to, to actually piggyback on, to, to talk a little bit about the, the things that we may not necessarily connect to, to issues of climate. So one of the things, for example, like I was reading an article recently where insurance rates are expected, are expected to go up in Trinidad and Tobago because the reinsurance, the people who do reinsurance for us, international insurance bodies and brokers um, have to raise their prices because the because they had to pay out so much money because of the disasters that are happening globally. So the money that you pay for your house insurance, your car insurance, your uh, whatever sort of insurance product that are out there, um, not me, will have to raise. So I just using that as an example. You could give us any other kind of non-typical example so that, you know, maybe that could connect to climate that people may not think about? That people may not think about. I mean, there's so many. Um, yeah. Production on the whole is going to be very negatively impacted. So you're going to be seeing food shortages. You're going to be seeing... Um, the spread of famine, um, water stress as well, and particularly in the Caribbean, there are parts of the, there are countries in the region that are on the verge of actually desertification. Like you hear desert and you think 
Sahara, but it is happening here in the region as a result of climate change. And I mean, as islands, it's kind of terrifying to think that we're going to run out of fresh water. We're surrounded by the sea where the water is going to come from, you know? So this is like a very real, very live issue that is connected with climate change, increasing water stress leading to desertification, um, and then war. I mean, the 2011 war in Syria, that's still kind of halfway, kind of, kind of going on. The root of that, right, and a, a key aspect of that was triggered by climate change when the crops started dying, famine, and migration. And it's the migration of people across borders in search of better pastures, quite literally greener pastures, that triggers wars, instability. So there is that link between climate change and peace and security, internal migration, internal displacement of peoples, um, and the whole human rights element as well. That's not very, that is under study and is being documented, but just not very well known, not very well socialized and and completely almost unaddressed in terms of, of government policy. But just a note on that insurance point that you raised, that's a, that's a really critical point. I mean, um, it's not unimaginable that in the region, eventually our homes, um, any other type of property that we have might become uninsurable, right? To the extent that the reinsurers will be increasingly having to take into account this element of climate risk. And with increasingly severe and um, increasingly severe and frequent natural disasters, that there's a real risk that that could happen, that we will at some point become uninsurable. And this is this is an issue that I think governments have taken note of and they're trying to see how they can get certain carbots in place to prevent this from happening. But it's 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 very, very real. But even while that is happening, because these insurers are taken into account climate risk, which is not necessarily something that they were doing before, we are not seeing, I guess not at the same scale, we are not seeing that acknowledgement happening in terms of investments. So these same reinsurers, these same banks, these same banking systems, these same people with all the money that, you know, trading on the stock market and doing all these investments and whatnot, not necessarily or not to the, not to the level that they should be doing, taking into account climate risk in terms of what they invest their money into right? Where they invest in money, right? In terms of oil and gas. So on the one hand, on the one hand, we know that oil and gas has now become an industry that is on its last legs, right? It, at the global level, it is on its last legs. There's a global recognition that these are some of the primary culprits, coal in particular as well, but something that we're less familiar with here, but oil, gas, coal. These are some of the primary culprits when we look at the causes of climate change. And the same companies that saying, oh, well, it's kind of going up for them people in the Caribbean, in the Pacific, you know, insurance rates had a rise. It's the same companies that will then put billions of dollars into, into 
you know, deep sea oil exploration in Shell and BP. Mm. I making any sense? Mm. Any sense. So, yeah. mm. Right. So you have that phenomenon still going on. Now, it has been acknowledged and there's a lot of activism around trying to shine a light on that and basically shame these companies from doing it. Like there's a massive um, initiative in the US called um, Defunding Coal, where you have these NGOs that are lobbying churches, universities, you know, banks, basically any any major conglomerate or corporation that has money that they're investing, lobbying them to withdraw their funds from banks like Chase, etc., that are reinvesting in coal and oil and gas. That is happening. So these things not necessarily trickling down to us in our little gas is a future bubble down here, but but it's it's really only a matter of time. I I you know I in a place of admiration, shock, and pain, you know. Because you know, here I am thinking we're gonna have a conversation, we're gonna learn some things, we're gonna it's it gonna be chill, it's gonna be nice and light. And now I'm thinking to myself, listen, I can't buy land in Trinidad inside, much less for outside. In terms of I can't if somebody tell me they have property on the east coast or if they have property down um point or see just I don't want to hear that again. I don't want to hear that again. You literally see in pictures where you know a, a statue that was once inland is now underwater and high tide and then a couple months or a year or two later you realize that under low tide it's underwater right i'm i'm hearing that insurance going up so just now we're gonna you you're going to pick up a girl by the bar offer her a drink and then show her that your, your property insured as a means of displaying you know your your, your, your wealth and your stability what i'm saying is we we will <laughs> the thing is it's it gonna get weird because wealth and what wealth looks like is going to change because the place getting hot because we do re- <laughs> not just because we do recycle but because we do carpool but because you know what it's not happening in trinidad so we're not paying attention well it it just astonishing to me that we could be at war with other territories because we have more fresh water mm-hmm. that that is that is tripping me like i I'm waiting for Aaron to come in now and just cut me off because if I go down this rabbit hole, I don't know if I'll be able to come back. Aaron, help me, please. Just, well, you see, I I can't pull you out of this rabbit hole because I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into it and draw reference for us locally as to what took place in South Africa with the water crisis. Ooh, boy, yes. So... My problem with Trinidadians continues to be we think that we are the only country on the face of the earth. But Trinbagonians to to make sure that we don't end Sorry, up on. Yeah. Trin- nobody, nobody been looking for our Facebook drag around. Don't do us that. Right. Mm-hmm. My problem with Trinbagonians continues to be that we think we are the only to an island state on the face of this blue and green rock. When in truth and in fact, we are probably one of the smallest players in terms of the economy of the world. So what happens outside in the major players, the USA, the China, and so on and so forth, will take probably 15 years to reach down to us. But we continue to be reactive. But 
again, public education is not important here, you know? Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. What you trying to say is that we undereducating our people and we just churning out um, cogs in a machinery that's destined to fail? Anyway. No, I, um, I, no, actually, I will say that we continue to have a bacchanal culture and there's no space for intelligent conversations. Hmm. The reality conversation or what does this happen? Yeah, it, it, it. Yeah. You know, nobody yeah. want to hear about nobody want to hear about reality, mm. right? All we want is to get vaccinated so that Aaron could play in as us, and we can oh, go back to living our Aaron. To, no, it, sir, I don't you know, play in zesses. If that is the proper <laughs> way, the, is that I? What what, what would they agree <laughs> to put multiple <laughs> zestry? Oh, uh, all of zest. Was it plural of zest? I don't know. We, I think it's zest and zest. Wait, is that is, like sheep? Yeah. Scissors? Yeah. <laughs> no, I did have scissors. Actually, that's something different. Now, listen, hold on. Scissors? Let's pull it back. <laughs> let's. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, oh, and, and for the record, I, I believe I believe our former guest pointed out that the plural of zest is zest them. Ah. Them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Them, them oh, zest yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, them zest them. Like yeah. Something doesn't add up with that. Imagine, imagine with that. Imagine, imagine. Listen, that just ap- appreciate the out from where this conversation was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, beautiful. But, yeah, bye, Brendan. Give me um. Yeah, yeah. Bring us back now. Bring us back. Please. I, it, it was that. No, and, and I like the point that Aaron. Aaron is raising there in terms of, of the reality conversation because it's not it it is a challenge but it's also opportunity and I, I think I'm thinking that um and I'm very very happy that young people are asking the questions and people you know um and I see one or two grassroots movements in Trinidad and Tobago who are, are, are getting involved and asking questions about you know what is happening and stuff like that I'm hoping that more more people get involved. But I, I want to talk a little bit about, because whether we're in Trinidad, we're in Tobago, we're in Grenada, we're in St. Lucia, we're in St. Vincent, I, I kind of see all of us as a global citizen and we all have a role. So in terms of that global citizenry and that sort of um, getting involved, what are some tangible ways you think, Ruana, that, that we could, you know, people in Trinidad and Tobago could get involved? And I, I know that there's a personal responsibility in terms of the things that we do, our consumption choices and stuff, but like to, to really get involved in terms of taking action. What, what, what are some of the things you think we should be telling people and having the conversations about? Mm-hmm. I wish that in Trinidad Tobago, we could, I think the, the ultimate responsibility that we have as citizens is a civil one. And I wish that this issue could become a deciding issue in the context of a national election. That's that's what I would like to see happen. Um, I want to clap. Elections. We need a clap song effect. Um, no, no, I we need yeah, we'll a clap. Yeah, yeah. You'll pull, pull one in here on? Yeah, pull one in. Right. Yeah, you got to pull that clap. Yeah. Sorry, in, go ahead. In mm. national elections, you know, deciding issues tend to come down to 
who was less stupid, who caused more bacchanal, who caused less bacchanal or more bacchanal, or, you know, who had the best comeback on the political platform on a night in question? Or who had the best song? Who had the best song? Who had, That's a, who had the, mm-hmm. well, who had the best plate? Who had the best mm-hmm. electric? Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah. Right? right? Them DJs and, again. And, uh, you know, I can't even begin to describe how upsetting it is to, to, to try to engage in our political process as a citizen, not somebody seeking power, but as a citizen with any level of seriousness. I mean, it is so difficult. At the last election, I saw, much to my delight, that we had a number of new parties come forward. I think we had about 19 or so parties contest the last election, you know. It was quite a high number. It was very extremely impressive. And that to me says something about the fact that people do want change. But in the type of adversarial two-party system that we have, of course, it's very difficult to make a dent. But I think that if more and more people start coming forward, eventually there's going to be that momentum built. So there are about 19 parties contesting the last election. Not all of them contest, you know, in every constituency. It actually, it costs money to contest an election. You have to pay, you don't get it back. And so I was looking to see who in my constituency was going up, aside from the two parties. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Only to understand that nobody else went up in my constituency because it is known as a PNM stronghold and former uh, Minister Manning was the, he was the MP in my area, right? And now, and now it's, it's his son that, that is the MP. And that was depressing. That was depressing because I take my time and I went through reading manifestos, you know, to try to understand what it is people really about to see if I wanted to support them, right? And it, but it was still an enlightening and interesting exercise to understand where we are in terms of political maturity in the land and what people put in forward. You know, some of it was 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 entertaining as well, and I don't regret doing it. Uh, I just really wish that at some stage we will have a green consciousness throughout the land so much so that if we see the emergence of a green party maybe not as a contest a real viable contester for prime minister but at least at least a pressure group that is able to shift the two major parties a little bit more to the green side in terms of their policies, force them to have to respond on those issues, that would be great. But the only way to get that is if there's that level of consciousness at the people's level. If in, in our instance, we, we, we live in, in societies that for better or worse, primarily for worse, have evolved in a way where you know everything is top down. Everything is top down. It's the government sets the agenda. The government sets the priorities. Everything is top down. Even the even the private sector doesn't effectively act as 
any kind of restraints on what the government has to do to some extent because the economy is so small they had to follow or lose business right lose the biggest contracts right so everything is top down and so the governments of the day whoever party in power right i have problems with all of them equally mm. so the government of the day does not really feel the pressure for accountability. They don't feel the pressure. They might feel the pressure for embarrassment, but they don't really feel the pressure for accountability unless there is a significant enough and loud enough noise coming from amongst the population and the embarrassment factor sets in. So my issue is, if, if we're not making that noise about the fact that, you know, every time you drive down Cedrus, the shoreline move, right? Then w- when they're really gonna, when they're really gonna feel as though they need to respond. But that's not to say that the government isn't responding, eh? but the stimulus for their response is coming from the international community, not from the people of Trinidad and Tobago. And I feel like that needs to change. Yeah. And uh, yeah, very, very happy you said that way. Very, very happy. And there's one thing that I want to ask you about, but I'll let them follow them. Um, coming with their questions um, about that whole international pressure. I saw Aaron um, putting his hands up because I know some of the things that you mentioned, I've heard him speak to um, on different platforms already. Um, Aaron, um, in terms of uh, the merchant class in Trinidad and Tobago, um, specifically about how we are productive and what productivity means and stuff like that. I hope I'm misquoting you. Um, that, that's a good enough. I'll take that. I'll take that. But I want to just piggyback on something you said there. That, oh, Jared, honestly, I can't stress enough the importance of public education. I can't. Because an uninformed public will continue be, to be led astray. If we don't understand that, if we don't make changes, and something as simple as carpooling can have positive effect. Where are we going? I know I won't go to the public transport part of it because we need the system to be on time for us to have faith in us to not drive to Port of Spain on a daily basis. So you 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 have freshly ironed ties and long sleeve shirts because you, you you're talking like you're talking like you want to go to court. In in working from home, I I have I have been stocking up on my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, uh, that, that that's I mean, the reality of it, guys. You know, we need to inform the population, and if not just inform the population, the population needs to seek to inform themselves as to some subtle changes we could make. No, normally, no, normally. Be, be, before before you continue, Cardo, uh-huh. what is all, what is always any other radio program with? Do you use what? Styrofoam. Do you styrofoam? Why 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 is styrofoam still in our vocabulary? Anyway, you know what? What what asking is? Oh look, Brenda, Brenda, I love that expression on your face, man. It looked like when you pull some freshly baked goodies out of the oven. You know the the, the oh, joy Lord. of having that made that still, impact. Uh, that we still don't get any, but yeah, eating, waiting on snacks. I don't get snacks oh, unless boy. I make a meme and wild Brenda. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the, the thing is, I heard a lot of things that normally ought to be a little more provocative, but this matter is actually so serious and so personal to my heart that I'm 
I don't even want to go down that road. I, I get my my passion quickly resembles anger. And when it resembles anger, we end up in positions where we have to edit parts of the program. And I'd much rather not put our um, great DJ slash um, audio production guy under that duress. So what I will acknowledge is that there's an absence of an internal pressure because we don't yet see this situation as our problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Re- re- recycling is not a typical Trinbago behavior. We will say that there are not enough facilities for us to properly continue the habit of recycling. And I'm going to take a page out of my favorite DJ's book and say, yeah, but we're uninformed about it. We don't even know where they are. We don't do any research. We expect to be spoon-fed every bit of information to allow us to make a decision, right? Now, here the catch. Trainees, we do recycle. We don't really carpool. You get people who does take their job to work and thing with their friends and so on and so forth. But we are not a carpooling culture. We don't have anything in pa- in place to particularly encourage carpooling anyway, right? We do. We 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 still use styrofoam, which is to much of my chagrin. But here the problem, right? We'll still see videos of people throwing the boxes of um various fast foods out of windows when they're going on excursions and driving home. What, what I'm saying is, you're seeing some. What we're saying is irresponsible behavior. It beyond that, the, the we talking about political maturity and that type of thing. But you are talking about grown people who have made children who are going to go on to make children or already made them, and you have to tell them to put trash in a bin. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, on an individual level, we are we are beyond irresponsible. We yeah. we, we we are ignorant, you know? and I don't mean. Absent of knowing better, you know, we ignorant it, we holding on you, to um, a mindset and a behavior that is only going to further cripple us and our position to resist what is coming. You asking for people to have personal responsibility? I know better than that, which is why I just get on how I just get on when I get it on. And you see, look at happening, <laughs> right? But uh, sorry, um, sorry, but Ruana, no, Ricardo, I, I didn't know, I didn't know you seem like this. No, but Ricardo, let, let, let me just add to your point there. While we are having this interview, I took the, the chance and I googled recycling companies in Trinidad. And a whole list come up. Mm-hmm. So the same way how you could Google to find out what's going on on the Kardashians or on Love and Hip Hop. Wait, who does still do that? I, I don't know. I that's the last bit of reality TV I ever paid attention to. <laughs> For like two minutes. The Hold same on, way how we yeah. could Google to find out those things. Mm-hmm. We should Google to find out information which is pertinent to making Trinidad and Tobago a better place. I don't want to give free advertising to any of the companies, but there are numerous companies in and around Trinidad from the Southwestern Peninsula, straight up to the Northwestern, even going into North Central. No, what I'm going to take the opportunity here to do is see that if any of these recycling companies interested in having us do a follow-up episode, Right, you could find us at Inquisitive Minds. We on uh, where, where, where's the name of the um, the host anchor. Right? FM. right? Anchor.fm. I get, I get excited, <laughs> I start to watch the bag and stop watching the lines. Yes, yeah, so um, <laughs> no, but on the real, the, the thing is, we have conversations maybe once a month, and there's a type of conversation if we were doing this face to face, we'd have a bottle of a very delicious um, clear liquor on the table. And we'd have a deck of cards because Toya is actually one of the um, better all-force players I've come across in my life. Sorry, Ruan. Ah, boy. Right? So what I'm saying is we could be doing this with a deck of cards 
and a nip or half or a bottle or two, depending on how we was living. And have a, a conversation that coming out of the conversation, yeah, we you know, we, we feel we had a good little lime and we had a nice little convo, but then when you get up the next morning, you're still thinking about something that you might actually want to get up and do something about it now. Or you're wondering where you talk about last night. Well, I mean, that has happened, but at the end of the day, we had to move from just the rum talk mentality and the rum shop talk mentality and take the conversations a little further than, well, yeah, I see high man on my table, right? I am the friend in my crew who talk in conscious. What I mean is, Rana, I'm going to ask you this, right? How many times in your, in your, no, there's your, there's your job, but how many times in your personal space, I mean, how many, how many of these conversations do you come across? In your everyday comings and goings, like you, do you sense that we as a people are concerned about the fact that we actually losing footage as a country, as in square footage? Do you think people are aware of the fact that as this sea encroaches, right, and this um water table becoming contaminated by seawater, that we actually have access to less and less drinking? People get that wasa leaking is not going to be our big, sorry, they wasa, but it's not going to be our biggest problem for water. By the time it churn get big? Let's say there's kind of two levels of consciousness. So there is the macro level where, you know, if it don't really affect you, you don't really care. Um, and that, that is the, I guess, the general prevailing attitude. Um, amongst my circle of friends, of course, People know they're aware and they care and they try to adjust their behavior to suit. Um, but I know that, that is, that's my bubble. So I know that's not like the general, um, the general prevailing view. But then there's another level. And that's the level of people who, at a community level, who are impacted by these things. So the people at community level who every year in the dry season, more and more burning down, they understand, right? The people who live in the coast and the sea coming in under their house, they understand, right? The fishermen who watching what's going on, watching the changes that happen in their own lifetime because our water is getting too warm, the fish getting less and less regular because they're migrating, right? They know what's going on. So there, there is the, the farmers who... Their crops, their livelihood depends on them being able to depend. It depends on them being able to, to reliably predict what the weather is going to be like so they know which crops they need to plant, etc. They know what's going on. So there are these pockets of consciousness at a very local level in relation to very specific issues but it's not necessarily percolating up to the macro level where we understand that it's all part of a connected phenomenon. It's not. And to a large extent, because of that, it's also not necessarily being reflected in government policy. These days, agriculture is the big talk. The agriculture minister is one of the more sensible ones. And, you know, you're seeing some things happening in terms of farmers being given um, the respect that is due and the opportunities and, and the support and the funding to, to, to be able to, to do more uh, and hopefully also to be able to 
adapt to the change in climate. Now, I haven't heard anything about climate adaptation or climate smart agriculture mm. in terms of what we do in locally. Mm. But I would hope that that is where we go in, especially with, you know, these um, micro greenhouses and like all these things that are coming. But all of that is a part of the climate smart agriculture movement because you're less dependent on what the weather is like from one season to another. So that that is happening to some extent, you know, there there NGOs working hard trying to trying to rehabilitate and protect the coral reef. There NGOs working very, very hard trying to educate people in their area about um, about you know the dry season and the forest fires and mitigate the impacts of those because they understand that every year it gets worse. Every year it gets worse. But the, the consciousness is still not there. Today I saw a meme. Uh, online, I think it was yeah a US based meme with with this child a cartoon child complaining. Well, it was uh, it was done in a home or something kind of setting. But a child complaining, oh my gosh, this is the hottest summer ever. And then the adult saying, actually, this is the coolest summer you will ever experience in your life. So look at the glass half full, and the depth of that. Hey, don't do my that. Depth of that. Because <laughs> it's true, it's crazy. The uh, last five years, the last five years have been the hottest years on record from the time that they have started recording average global temperatures in, in the history of, of the planet. The, the five hottest years on record, the last five. Like every year, it's just burst another record every single year. That, that, that's what's going on but but it just it doesn't seem to be a thing here as yet as yet so i i want to throw out a, a question here now um we like to throw the phrase around that god is a trinity right because to date we have not been hit by a major hurricane mm. is it a possibility with all these changes that you are talking about that hurricanes can form lower and lower and eventually Trinidad and Tobago could be hit? Certainly. Certainly. Extreme weather events are going to become more extreme and more unpredictable. Let me tell you something about Hurricane Dorian. Mm-hmm. Every time I have to talk about Hurricane Dorian... Oh I, my don't, I don't think people know. I, I too, because I don't watch. Uh, see when I know it? Look, look, look oh, at the man pause risk. All my poses raised. Hurricane Dorian. Or oh, remember the 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 um one of them dystopian films, 2012, one of them ended the world films, 2012. Yeah. One of my favorites, yeah. Yeah. Hurricane Dorian is on that level, you know. People don't even understand that we live through and in Bahamas in Abaco, where that hurricane hit them, they have been to the apocalypse and come back, you know. Mm-hmm. That storm. First of all, first of all, weather category five. A category five hurricane is disaster, destruction, damnation, a watery hell on earth. That's what's a category 45, category five hurricane, sorry. They don't have a category beyond five. Dorian lies in a category beyond five. That has yet to be defined. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Dorian made its way across the Atlantic. 
changed direction. I think it changed direction twice. Changed direction twice. Settling over the Bahamas, Abaco in particular, and then stayed there for 36 hours. That is not normal. None of that is normal. That is terrifying. Everybody in the region should have been on their knees in prayer, crying, bawling down the place at the thought of what that hurricane did. 36 hours in one place. Change direction twice. Went from one to five in no time. In no time, because of how hot the air was, because that's what fuels the intensity of hurricanes. It's a temperature issue. So the waters in and around were so warm, fueled that storm to move from a one to a five in no space of time, and then did the most unpredictable thing a storm has ever done in the history of storms, set on over our country for 36 hours. That is madness. And nobody could have predicted that that was going to happen. And this is the issue. This is the, the, this is the world that we live in and now. This is the reality that we live in and now. When these storms develop over the Atlantic, the temperature of the ocean now is so high that they are becoming monstrous. And then unpredictable weather patterns also fueled by climate change is making their behavior extremely unpredictable so contrary to be we're hit by a category five or category five plus hurricane yes yes do we know when that might happen no are we sure that this type of phenomenon is going to get worse and proliferate yes Right? There's a lot of uncertainty involved in climate science because these guys who are um, looking at the risks and the impacts, they're building very expensive models in order to do this work. And of course, it's a model. So what you're putting into the model is hypothetical situations. And then even still, what the model tells you might happen based on whatever you put into it there's still an element of uncertainty as to whether it will actually happen. But because of the number of years that modeling has been happening, the predictions are getting better and better. But uh, we still not to the point where we can see exactly what is going to happen at very local levels or at, at even at regional levels for islands as small as ours. So there's a high level of unpredictability still about the situation that we're actually going to be in as it relates especially to extreme weather events. I mean, I, I, I have, hand, well, not me personally, but the company that I work for has hands-on experience after Dorian. And we have video of the Bahamas. And from end to end, as far as you could see, it flat. There's no buildings. There's no trees. There's no war. There's nothing except flat land. That, ha that was a eye-opening experience. And the guys who went there to help rebuild the grid, 
talk about trying to pick up the pieces, you know, was almost on the verge of tears when talking about it. I'm not sure people understand. People don't understand what happened in 2000 and in 2018. It, it was don't, a people shock. Don't understand. Don't understand. I was in the Bahamas in 2020. That's my last travel before the COVID lockdowns hit. To talk about climate change and the sense of trauma that is still so alive in the population and amongst people there, it's heartbreaking, you know. Heartbreaking. And I mean, this is a future that lies in store for any of us, any of us at any point in time. And we just hear this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Juvian. I am... Um, I was talking to a new colleague, uh, Commissioner Cole, in Guyana, and we were talking to some, uh, we were in a mentorship program, and she was talking to these young ladies about rainfall in Guyana that had nine of the ten territories underwater. Yeah, the recent flooding, crazy. Like, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Crazy. This, this is this is June. This is early end of May, early June. Right, and we already seeing, we already seeing things happening on a scale that listen, we are more, we are months of this to endure again. Well, I mean, we have months of it to endure. What is crazy about it is that I I realized something, right? No, oh, let bear with me a little bit. I'm gonna make a hard left here, right? So this is a good point to take note at the time in case we had to cut this out. But you know why? You know why herpes is so dread? Herpes is so dread because it does keep coming back. It has nothing you could do to stop it. It does keep coming back. It's something you have to live with for the rest of your life. And you know what does end up happening? People just have to just get accustomed to the idea of living with it. They don't talk about it. They don't make it a big deal. It's just something that they accept. It's a bad secret to have. Herpes dog, that, that way you carry this down. They were carried. We could probably edit it out. Because it, it, it oh, gone even Lord. lefter than I thought. But here the catch, right? <laughs> You'll leave something like that, that you could just live with as quietly as possible, regardless of how impactful it might be. And you'll deal with every other problem in your life. Because it's almost as if you have this one thing that you feel so big, it's better you just ignore it. Do you think that considering how far behind we are regionally, that we could deal with the herpes of climate change? We could deal with a situation where here what is going on, eh? What position are we in where if rain fall for two days, we have food banks under flood plains, right? If rain fall for two and three days, we have parts of the country that cut off from other parts of the country. We're talking about rainfall for two days and we're losing land and main roads and houses. And you know what we'll get? A couple food drives. We'll commend um, corporate citizens and, and general citizens for coming together and taking care of each other. And then go back to... Well, it probably ain't going to happen until next year. We don't get dose already. What I mean is... We, we're not even planning permission for people to, to build houses in a... Flood, whole whole community being built 
whole community being built in a floodplain. Um, right? Anyway, my point is, we are we even are we, are we even trying to treat this thing? We even trying new drugs? We even, you know, letting our partners know how dangerous this behavior is? Or we just like, well, boy, when it pop up, it pop up. It's and we deal with it. You stay home for a couple of days. And what I mean is, we we treating a situation that we could actively take steps to deal with as if is a STI. Mm. I mm-hmm. am li- listen, to, Rihanna. You you've been all over the world, all kind of pl- places off the coast of New Zealand and all kind of fancy thing, right? You you were in the Paris. You were in Paris for the um for the accord, right? What I mean is you you. You have some experience with, you know, other nations and the things they've been exposed to and the way that the people and the governments have responded. Have you seen countries with less say and less motivation than us, right, make changes that have them in a better position than we are right now? Less say and less motivation. Um, yeah. hmm, that's a difficult one to judge. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say that we don't have much say. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't negotiate as Trinidad and Tobago. We negotiate as part of the alliance of small island states. And as a group, we might be small, we might be the richest, we might be the most relevant to the global economy. But as a group, we have a voice and we have a say. And we, we influence the shit out of things. You might have mm-hmm. to take that out. Sorry. No, um, we, we, we big, we go live. Um, so I wouldn't say that we do have a say. What I would say is that I have seen countries who have a similar economic base. So similar oil and gas, you know, similar lack of incentive for the population to, to really change or do anything different, who have taken the windfalls that they've gotten from those polluting industries and turned a hard green corner, right? So this is the case... So in small countries, this is the case with the Emirates, for example, in the UAE. Mm-hmm. Everything electric, nobody promotes renewable energy more than UAE, but they make all their money with oil. But they turn a hard green corner because they know they have consequences to suffer, right? Uh, looking at developed countries at the developed country scale, this is the case with Norway. Norway, the country with the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world, right? From oil and gas exploration it's in a hard green corner in terms of where they invest norway just divested their sovereign wealth fund worth i don't know in billions trillions of dollars out of oil and gas trillions of trillions right that's a major blow to the sector and and that that that's their that that's their bread and butter in their economy but they understand what's coming so you know, I, I don't think the fact that we have been in the fossil fuel industry and that has been the mainstay of our economy for the past hundred years or so, I don't think that that is an excuse for for the level of inaction that we see. And this is and this this is sort of in direct opposition to what government level officials have been doing because you see at the officials level you have people in the ministries fighting the good fight you have people in these ministries 
like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings saying, you shall not pass. When it comes to this climate change issue, holding back the tides, trying their best, trying their best in the context of political indifference to make sure that at least something is happening, to make sure that at least certain things in place. So, you know, if it really had to hit the fan, we could respond, right? So you have people dedicating their lives to this within our actual institutions, but at the highest political levels, the prioritization is not there. Complete indifference. Um, it is particularly acute under this administration. Under the last administration, it, it was, in reality, there was a lot of indifference, but, but I think there was a bit more, there was more of a desire to respond to what was going on internationally in the former administration, right? And so on, in some way, a lot was still being done. In this administration, there's a good bit happening beneath the political level, but at the highest levels, it's just sluggishness. It's just complete and utter indifference. That, that's what I see, indifference. Uh, this is an issue that has been defined by the former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon as the greatest challenge of all times. I have never heard a Trinidad and politician say that to a national audience. Do they say it internationally? Yes. Sound good. Makes sense. We are a small island developing state when we out there. When we in here, it's all about who have outside children and, you know, all the me and back and out. I mean... Mm. That's actually I'm frightened. I'm frightened. Let me let me tell you why I'm a little frightened. And I'll say two things, and I'm hoping you wanna responds in a way that um will make me a little less frightened. Um, one thing that I noticed, and feel free to give me your thoughts on these two things, right? So one of the things that I noticed is that um that I haven't heard a lot of announcements of oil and gas projects, right? I heard two big projects that we have coming in the 2022 that's supposed to give you a little top up in gas. And you know, when your mountain come and you only have a little $20 and you put a little top up in your tank to kind of take you to and from work, but you ensure you go carry it to the following week, right? You want to make sure you get paid. So we get a, a top up gas, right? So we get a little top up natural gas, right? So we have two natural top up gas projects that's supposed to help us. And I really hear nothing beyond that. I hear nothing. I ain't saying they don't have anything. I just saying that they ain't make no announcements. But what I hear internationally is that Shell cutting global production by 40%. BP cutting global production by 40%. Exxon went to the board and, and tell them, hey, we could we, we will survive with oil and gas. And the board say, oh, they're crazy. And changed three of their board members uh, um, as green advocates. Exxon who denying climate change really. <laughs> no, no, okay. who paid, who paid, who paid, mm -hmm. who funded the climate denialist movement. Don't forget exactly. us, X Hashtag X on you. They've been new. But anyway. Mm -hmm. che Chevron, 
try and try to convince the board that hey, this green agenda ain't making sense. The board watched them like, oh, they're mad. Or, and you want, and you want to invest my money? No, 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 no. So that's one part of my fear, that we have a, a, a difference in consciousness on what we're doing locally and thinking that all them cuts, they will cut everywhere else except Trinidad because they love we God is a trend, right? And the next thing that I'm a little frightened, I think the European Union going to put out their rules for their, cli- their carbon border tax. So for our local manufacturing yeah. companies, mm-hmm. right? If you import things from Asia and Europe and things, right? A carbon border tax mechanism increases your prices, huh? right? So for the business sector, I'm making a case or asking a question, is, is it, should the business sector, if they look at this thing for real, should they have an incentive to, deal, to, to really go full steam ahead with what we're talking about? So that's the two fears that I have and, and, the, and the kind of partial question. Yeah, I think I think um at least if we continue with this current administration, the only way we're gonna get that that consciousness going up the political chain to the political level is if the business sector say, partner, 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 hey my dollars and cents can catch up in this thing, you know, we gotta make a change. That's the only way it will happen. I don't see it coming from the population. I wish it could come from yeah. the population, but I think it's gonna come from the business sector. You and mean if I finance it? When the when it starts to hit when it when it starts to hit where it hurts, we could call them financiers, we could call them that. But the business community, the elements of the business community that have influence over political decision making, I think it will have to come from them. If in this current administration, if we want to see anything really happen in terms of them making a serious commitment because there's so much that could be done. It kind of sickening to see the fact that you know even the low hanging fruit, the low hanging fruit, they say, yeah, let her at me, right? Let her at me, among for that. So that's the first thing to answer the last part of the question. To go back to the first part of the question, what should scare you even more is in the context of what is happening with Exxon and Shell and Chevron. We have a prime minister who's saying the future of Trinidad and Tobago is in oil and gas. I could ask a question. Mm-hmm. Well, not a question, a statement. Make a statement. This, that is the same prime minister. There are also other persons in high positions which are preparing us for a future which most of them will be sitting in their rocking chairs enjoying. They are not going to be actively involved in five to ten years. But we, who some of us having this conversation right now, are the ones who are going to be adversely affected when the when climate change takes effect. It's already here, but yeah, then it starts to get worse. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, cool. When it starts to get worse. So again, it's as you said, the, the business community or even us, the general citizenry, needs to take our collective voice and speak up to see the change we want and not just care about who had COVID and who take our vaccine. It's, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult. It's, it's such a complex issue that honestly, honestly, there's a really high level of responsibility 
on governments to educate populations about this issue. It is so very complex because you can look at it from the perspective of, well, hmm, if we want to create incentives for people to actually carpool, right? And for people to actually switch over and get hybrid or electric vehicles, then really and truly what the current Minister of Finance doing by removing the gas subsidy, that has to happen. That has to happen. But it should happen alongside incentives. But what instead happened is the removal of the gas subsidy was couched as, well, it was living life real nice and we had no money and this nice life can't continue no more. And here we're removing the gas subsidy. And here we're too. You see the, you see the tax break, the incentive that he was getting to import the electric vehicles, that gone too because it had no incentives here no more. How you could do that? That making any sense? That not making any sense. If you're going to remove the gas subsidy, right, then you actually really need to keep in place the incentive for the uptake of electric vehicles. Otherwise, what is going to happen as the rest of the world transitions over to electric, which is what we see in happening, trying to be able to become a dumping ground. Yeah, so we, but we'll, we'll get more foreign use though. Right? Get more foreign use. That nobody wants. And and it is so easy to trigger a changeover at, at the, the the private sector level. It's so easy to, it would, would have been so easy, low-hanging fruit to trigger that changeover from gas combustion vehicles to hybrid or electric vehicles and transfer. It would have been so easy. And it's like they see the door and they watch it and they slam it and they walk off. And, and these are kind of things that just get so frustrating because we have and con- we've had and we continue to have endless opportunities to be ahead of the curve, but we insist on dragging the flag in the last place. Or, or they mute me now. Somebody mute me because the kind of things I want to say, I might end up really having to arm. Um, to I'm end up with about some, Yeah, especially that subsidy word. The, not just the subsidies. You're speaking that, you know, we want to take away the subsidy to, to make persons understand, but at the same time, you're taking with one hand, and then instead of giving with the other, you're taking it back. So you're not giving me the incentive to want to change to CNG or that even that and all might be wrong. CNG, it don't make sense. It's a bridge, but it don't make sense. We need to skip CNG now. Skip it. Exactly. Thank you for clearing that part up. Right, so we yeah. do, 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 do. Sorry, 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 Aaron. I'll just double check in here. So I, I should not buy a beachfront property and I should not buy a CNG vehicle. Yeah, don't buy CNG. I'll do convert from your gas vehicle to CNG. Well, do convert. Don't take advantage of that tax break. I, I just saying that I want to know what the cliff note's going to be. <laughs> because when, when you really watch what's going on here, all you, all you, all you realize why we just had a why why people are just waiting for the flare up to go away. Like what, what? What we gonna do? How are we consumers going to leverage a uh, 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 merchant class or, or business class or whatever word that rhyme with class it have going on here? What are we gonna do to leverage them into leveraging politicians into making decisions so that we could actually start addressing these things? What? What? This is why people playing ostrich right now. This is why we burying our heads in the sun. What we could do? What we what we could do? What we could do? I want I, 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 at least one idea. I want one idea. Is some pretty inquisitive minds here? 
I saw amongst the four of us, we could we, we could we could get an idea to come out of this thing with. I need some hope. Brendan, I need a dose of that hope in. Um <laughs> I, I, I I could kick it off. Give me give me yes, something sir. here. Now, for change to happen, now this is my opinion, right? For change to happen, we need systematic change. We need constitutional change. But for, for that to go forward, we need persons in place to drive the conversation of change to begin. So for those of you who are educated in the different subject matter areas, put yourself forward for representation. Don't just sit in the back of the class and complain. For change to happen, we need action. People need to take responsibility if you realize there's a shortfall in the community. Put yourself forward, present yourself as a viable option, put yourself in the positions to make the changes you want to see. I hope that given you a little bit of hope in there. Actually, I feel like perfect. I, you can make gas. You can make gas pain. That 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 hurt my wall inside, you know. That hurt my wall inside. How, how that hurt you? Anyway, that thing's to talk on and off and but only let me get away with it already for the day. I'm not gonna push it. <laughs> right? What, what no, I'm saying but, is, but yeah, but Brendan, nice. Hit me some hope in there. Hit me, hit hit me some hope in. I, I I think I think we need to. I think we need. I I really like talking to the young people as well. Eh? I, I, notwithstanding that we have a responsibility as well. I think yeah, I we have. Man. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, yeah. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, well, Aaron, yes, you definitely are better. <laughs> but I, I'm talking about like even at the secondary school level, chatting because you'll be surprised that, and I, I've met a couple of students who did SBAs and stuff like that, and would have reached out and and having intelligent conversations with them, and I was so impressed by their questioning and their depth of knowledge and what they were able to realize. Um, I remember a few, about before the pandemic, that we had a class that came to us and we had to explain the subsidy. And when they realized where that money comes from, comes from roads and bridges and the health sector and all those things where, you know, where, you, you know, I mean, Aaron said it, you win it one hand and lose it one hand. So I, I think the hope is in the in the, in talking to the next generation. I think the hope as well is is in true advocacy. And I've seen a couple of people who are trying to change the conversation locally. I'm hoping that they get more airtime, right? I think our our conversations are important. I think having professionals like Ruana coming and having this sort of chat is important because I, I, I see hope in all these things. So that it, we could build a better community for Trinidad and Tobago, you know, and and I see I see a little bit of hope from the government. Just a little bit. I saw a little crack in the armor. I put it up on Facebook. I don't know if you all saw it. Where this is the first time I've heard the, the prime minister or any minister talk about the carbon accounting and the issues with carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas and the oil and gas industry mm. in the energy conference this year. He actually said it in his speech. I went and read it and I was like, oh my God. He, they finally admit it. They finally admit that is, is, is not all roses. That things have to change. Right? So we didn't have a choice and saying, hey, we set up a solar plant because we wanted to and we care. It's because you have to. You don't have a choice. <laughs> right? So 
my hope, Cardo, is the fact that we are going to do things that we don't have a choice to do. Right? So as much as it is not the ideal, I still take it as a positive because we're getting shoved through the door. Hey, you need to move forward. Um, um, Zoom, as, as you mentioned, that I just want to put it out there that in my reading today, I saw that we are now going to do solar paneling at the Piaco International Airport. Mm-hmm. Long overdue, but it's a step in the right direction. Let me nerd it down just a little bit, right? You know, I like to cover the prices. But a little bit, you know. <laughs> right? We, we pay about, we pay our subsidized price for power is about four US cents a kilowatt hour. That, that entire solar panel, solar panel park that they're setting up at Point Lisa's, at, at, sorry, at the Piaco. airport, Piaco, when you look at it, when you calculate the capital cost and everything, it's coming up to just about the same four US cents. And the four US cents we pay is subsidized, right? So the real price when the government pay their part is about 11 US cents. Hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So you put solar in your house, pal, it's cheaper for you to put solar in your house than to burn natural gas at the generator and push it through all the transmission and distribution line. Um, listen, um, Brendan, we can't mind it, you know. We ain't get them out. We, we, we ain't get sponsors for the program. <laughs> I think he passed oh, on here. Oh, anyway, um, listen, Rana, here we go, right? Them, them fellas trying, they're trying. But let me do a little bit of explanation first. A couple of years ago, we discovered in um, one of our Get to Know Your Country tours that hope is the cocaine of the soul. We just call it hoping. <laughs> hoping because when you get a little bit of hope you know i mean you you had to go back because you feel so good with that little bit you just spend every experience after just trying to find back that hope now so i want you i want you having the experience you have and the people that you meet and the places after you've gone and the conversations you've been having i have my hand scratching right now i need a little bit of hoping from you give, give, give me a little bit of hoping I, and I know it's two o'clock in the morning, but I sure is to buy a sweet drink. That's why I do. I want this little hustle, this little hustler hustling in here is to buy a sweet drink. It's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Sweet drink and hoping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me something, please, ma'am. I, I actually really agree with what Aaron and Brendan have said. Um, I, I think uh, two primary uh, places that you could look for this hoping would be amongst the youth. The different. The different. And um, they come in at this with a completely different level of awareness and um, ready to, to, to hold people to account. And that, that for me, always gives hope. And I guess the second part, which is what Brennan was talking about, is that at the international level, things are changing. And because of how our economy is structured and how open it is, we have to respond to those changes. That's what always happens. So it might mean we're behind the curve, but the response is already happening. And that is going to push us into the direction that we need to go in. I think it's too late to hope that we can have the kind of general consciousness that we need amongst the population our age and a little bit older. I don't think they're really going to get there. Um, 
without the top-down element of the government saying, like, this is what really going to happen right now. So the hope that I have comes from the fact that it's very clear that very soon the government is going to have to be saying, this is what really going to happen right now. Because that really is what we are going to need as a catalyst to see the kind of changes that we want to see um, as a society. I guess the last thing I would say on this is that I always tell people when I speak about climate change and people want to know, well, okay, what can I do? This is catastrophic and I feel so small and the problem is so big. And I always tell them three things. Get educated about the issue. So this emphasis that all of you all have mentioned about the need for public education is one of the most important things. It's the first building block. We can't do anything without it. And so I'm really glad to be part of this conversation. And, and I guess I hope that this is somehow being replicated elsewhere. And if we get enough of these kinds, types of conversations going, that's where we'll start to see the dominoes start to fall. The second thing I tell people is to hold their governments accountable. We don't really understand accountability in our context. Attempting to hold the government accountable normally gets you labeled as a mischief maker and a back analyst. Right? Because accountability um, is all well and good in theory until you, until you level a critique at the government that they don't like. But we still do need to try to hold them accountable. It has to happen. Um, I myself have been thinking through how to be able to do that in my personal capacity in a more effective way than I am at present. But it's a process. We don't really have the systems in place and you really need to make up your mind that, you know, you're just going to put your name on the line out there mm. and deal with the stigma forever. So it's, it's, it's not easy shot to call, but I think for all of us, it's something you had to keep thinking about in the back of your mind. One of these days, you're going to have to call that shot. And then the third thing I tell people they need to do is eat less meat, dog. Eat less meat. Get off the KFC. Hey, 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 hey. This, we, we all right, well, all right. That's a deal. We lost one potential sponsor. What are you going to do? Eat less meat. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, Ronaldo. Sorry to Ronaldo, the scene. Sorry to Ronaldo, the scene. Um, hey. Oh, so, you know, so, so, you, let me just quick, quick in and out on that. Um, apparently the alcohol company that um that had the the bears on the table when the Muslim player removed them, uh, they they changed a policy and so that they, they're not going to put the athletes in that position again. They're okay. no longer going to um, have the alcoholic. Or... Replace with a product and make them yeah sponsoring. Yeah, that's that's yeah. And uh, now going to even better, Ricardo. What we should take note of from that is one player moved the bottle and the price of stock dropped. Another player mm. moved another bottle and the price skyrocketed. Mm. Well, hey, remember the, curtains we talk, remember the curtains we talk about? Anyway. Yeah. So, yes. Um, less yeah. meat, Eat less, less meat. meat. Eat less meat. Less meat. Yeah, listen, I, I want to apologize because, you know, normally I try to train a little two cents and invigorate thing with some... Um, you know, the balance in the scale, but I, I I really just ratchet down the talk a little widely this evening because this is a severe problem that we just pretending not there, and we're only dealing with the flare-ups, not realizing that this thing is compromising our entire system. We 
literally by the time this airs, we don't know between Sahara dust and a piece of rainfall what state and condition this place is going to be in. We don't even know if the next hamper drive is going to be because uh, the restrictions still going on or because rainfall for a day and a half. We, we, the thing is, it's not far-fetched that we could be in a crisis overnight. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it, there are the things we could be doing to address it, though. And this is the part that happened, eh? being like this. So, yes, I, I take on what you say, you know, Brendan, you begin push through the door, and necessity is the mother of invention. But why we had to keep making crisis the father? Mm. Why, 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 why can't I rather a bastard child with innovation right now? But we so accustomed to crisis forcing us into a position or forcing us into action that we keep throwing away that progress we could have that thing where we want to talk about being ahead of the curve that we could have been because we had opportunities we slamming doors shut we slamming doors shut on being um, ahead of the curve what is wrong with us I'll, I'll thing, respond, it's I'll in the bloodstream and in the brain or what i'll re- respond with three things plantation economy lloyd best said it mm-hmm. they call it the resource curse mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. people believe it is better yet you have a country without oil and gas it might be successful mm-hmm. right they call it the dutch disease right and if you want to read the real de- detail and kind of get a little depressed I, although i love the book we like it so by dr terence farrell mm-hmm. <sighs> but so, um yeah you know what something to read coming out of the conversation is not a bad idea it's not a bad idea yeah i take that but uh, you know and i must say thanks to rana for seeing a couple of things there as we because we we the conversation i I really wish we could go another hour but i know we had to come to a close so i want to use this opportunity to say thanks for saying a couple of things Thanks for saying that oil and gas is something that is a diminishing resource that that diminishing faster than we think. Thanks for saying that because I think our audience needs to understand that that as much as we would like it to last 10, 15, 20 years going into the future, we fight in for market share. And there's no guarantee that Trinidad and Tobago is going to hold the market share so that we could sell our oil and gas into some market that may or may not be there. Huh. All right? So uh, thanks for saying that. The other thing that I wanted to thank you for as well, thanks for talking about agriculture. I think that doesn't get enough conversation when we're talking about climate. and uh, We talk about the, the ag, ag sector and the industrial complex with regards to agriculture and the possible impact in terms of climate impact. And then we it being part of the solution as well. I don't think the people understand that agriculture is a big part of that solution as well. And the third thing to talk about is on this is the whole concept. And this is just nerd me because um and this is for me personally talking about how these international agreements and movements trickle down to us in ways that we do not can we can't foresee and is not always very clear and direct you know and uh, and i think the learnings for our listeners is to get involved to read and research and become part of the solution you want to figure out what you want to do tomorrow or the next day 
think about being of service to the to the planet, being of service to your community, being of service to the nation, and get involved. So I want to say thanks for those things. You're welcome. Masakaru. Hi. This is Ricardo Mitchell, the social stage on the local stage, thanking you guys for joining us at Inquisitive Minds. I um I don't know, I, it's a strange combination of discouraged and hopeful at the same time. Because Rana make a point, you know, the conversations like this are happening. Um, God willing, these little bubbles that we're living in, these 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 informed and involved and, and hopeful bubbles will keep growing and expanding and start interacting and connecting. And we will wake up one morning and realize that the the little bubble that we're in is really part of this whole big bujunk or change that was happening. And I, I have to believe, I'm not so arrogant to believe that we're the only people talking and thinking like this. So I will I will take hope in the, in, in, in the, the fact that, you know what? If the young people talking like this generally, change coming. That it's not only climate change we're dealing with. It have, there's a cultural change. So, Aaron, um, I don't know what you're going to do about some of the things that I said, but you know what? I trust your judgment. Rana, thank you so much for joining us on Inquisitive Minds. Of course, you know the the program will be available on anchor.fm which will direct it to any one of the podcast sites that you um generally deal with i mm-hmm. am grateful and you know what i'm going to take the liberty of extending to you an invitation for us to have another kind of conversation because brendan mentioned that we don't understand how uh those multinational conversations impact us you know and yeah i know you have a little bit of experience in terms of um representation and negotiation so i'd definitely like to have another conversation with you in the future and also i'm going to take a liberty and extend to you an opportunity to um, have another conversation with us in a more casual conversation setting aaron wink wink nudge nudge yeah so rana thanks again anything you want to anything you want to put out there any shout outs or big ups i don't know what the young people say nowadays you I, have don't to, know, uh, I don't know what the young people say nowadays either friend <laughs> you you wanna you wanna drop your hashtags and your handles and them kind of thing I do. Oh yes, that's what we both do. Yeah, uh, not particularly. No, <laughs> 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 it was really a pleasure. It was a pleasure to be here. Um, this was a great conversation. Uh, and yeah, you guys are doing something really good, and. I look forward to hearing more from all of you in the future in, you know, different realms out there, changing the land, changing the world. Thank you very much. Aaron? Yo. Well, yeah, for we are fine. You know, anytime you're too quiet, anytime you're too quiet, I was getting nervous. It either means you're going to feed the neighbor dog or... Your, your priming process, and I'm really hoping that you just went and feed the neighbor dog. No, I, I, I'm, I am priming process as that's of one. Right, the red table, the red table, yeah. red step, red step. It, it's in, it's on the way. Um, it's on the way. 
Guys, you know, um, <laughs> this is your should be DJ here on 868. I'm always great and I'm never late. At the 13, guys, don't use styrofoam. If you could carpool, please do so. And watch, uh, when the rivers and the beaches open back up, walk with your garbage bag and use it. Eat less that, meat. Yeah. <laughs> Eat less meat, yeah. Less that, 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 we'll, we'll get progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. yeah, eat less meat.